You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. Good morning again, East Point Church. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, please. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. It is good to be with you. Isn't it fun to celebrate? How many of you love to party? All right. Well, today is a party. I just love the atmosphere of celebration and joy for what God has done. And so it is a privilege, friends, every time we get to be together and do this as a family. And so today, even more so uh, as we celebrate. Uh, I want you to know that there are two ways. This is our friendship training here, okay? There are two ways that you can communicate with me, all right? This is friendship training. For some of you guys, take notes. This is also marriage counseling, all right? There are two ways that you can communicate with me. You can either tell me or you can show me. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are some people where it is okay to tell them. It's like, just tell me. Use words. Give me facts. Make direct statements. How many of you guys are good with being told things? Okay, a few of you. If you tell me, if all you do is tell me, I will forget. Full disclosure. I thought we were friends, and I'm friendly telling you. That if you communicate with me, I will forget like that. So you can tell me or you can show me. You can, you can paint me a picture. You can give me an illustration. You can bring me to the scene of the action. And friends, if you make your point with me that way, I promise you I will remember it forever. Because pictures are sticky. Right? This is why people remember movies and they remember scenes and, and even illustrations and books and all of these things. If you show me, I will remember forever. And so here's my theory, right? The more important the thing is that you have to tell me, the more important it is that you show me. Right? Make sense? The more important it is, the more critical it is that I remember it, the more you want it to stick here, it makes it that much more important that you show me, okay? The more important the thing, the more vital it is that you show me. And so today, for the next few minutes, we are in a a book of the Bible called Mark, okay? And so Mark, he is writing something, and he has something to say that I would put in the pretty important category. Mark has something to communicate with us today that is of the utmost importance. You see, Mark was the assistant to the apostle Peter, okay? His right-hand man traveling the ancient world with him. And Mark, as he travels with this leader, he gets to hear stories of the good old days. He gets to hear accounts. Eyewitness testimony, first-hand accounts of what it was like when Peter walked the earth with Jesus. And so based on Peter's eyewitness testimony, based on these first-hand accounts, Mark begins to write an account. Mark begins to write his story of what happened. And as he does it, he's answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You see, people all over the ancient world, they have heard about this man who showed up in Jerusalem and he started to announce this movement called the kingdom. They had heard about this man who was preaching and was put to death by the authorities, but supposedly rose from the dead. 
They had heard about this band of disciples who were with him for years, and now they were going out and spreading the good news, and they were turning the world upside down. They had heard about this. Who is this guy? Who is Jesus? They had heard that the movement was gaining traction, that the message was spreading. They had heard that the fame of this man had spread all the way from Jerusalem to the capital of the world in Rome. And so many of them were asking the same question that many of you were asking. Who is Jesus? That's why we're here, isn't it? We're not here to check a religious box. We're not here in this room out of duty and obligation. You, friends, I believe that you are here because just like the original audience, you sense that there is a great deal of life that hinges on how we answer this question. You and I are here, regardless of our background, no matter where we've come from, because we sense the truth that how we answer this question changes everything. And so Mark, he's a lot like me. Mark, he takes out his pen, and he's about to answer that question, and he says, hey, 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 I could tell you. I could give you neat theological phrases and sentences. I could just tell you outright the answer to the question, or... I can show you. I can show you. I can give you an illustration. I can bring you into a story that, friends, long after my exact words fade, you will still remember the answer to this question because I'm going to show you. And so, friends, we're beginning this series today, and over the next several weeks, we're going to see Mark. He answers this question by roping you into the narrative. By swooshing you into the story, he brings us to ground zero, and we see these stories in high definition, crystal clear clarity. And as he answers the question, we realize that the man that he's talking about is so much greater than anything we could have imagined. His identity, his nature, the mystery or surrounding who he is will become clear, and we will realize he's greater. And so we begin this series of stories, and we start today with one that we call the storm. You guys bring your umbrellas? You ready for this? We're moving the picnic indoors. They didn't have that privilege. Let's check out the storm. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word for East Point Church this morning. And so here at East Point, like we've done for the past year, we like to just go back to the top and let's break it down. We start off here and Jesus seems like it's just another ordinary day. We see two groups of people that we've seen for the last several weeks. We've seen these two groups of people. One of them is the crowd. All right? How many of you guys enjoy a good crowd? 
How many of you guys are terrified of the crowd? Oh, you're like, oh, I'm sorry. All right, you're the crowd, right? Great crowd of people. And these are the people who they show up to all of the events for the Jesus show. You know? They love a good show. It's exciting. There's a lot of anticipation. Jesus is teaching in these parables, and they don't really get it, and they don't care to, but they're just here for the show. And so they don't really get any more. And so, but we've also seen a second group of people that long after the crowd leaves, we see a group of people who are leaning in for truth. And they're, and they're like, no, 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 I'm not, you're not allowed to leave yet. And they keep following Jesus, and they're pursuing truth, and they're asking questions. They are people that we call disciples because they have responded to the call to come and be with him. And so here are these two groups of people once again, and Jesus is with the disciples. And they're going on a cross-lake adventure. And it's not just the 12 disciples. Let's make sure we're reading clearly. It says there were other boats with him, right? So it's not just the 12 apostles. There are dozens of disciples crossing the lake with Jesus. And so here's what Mark makes clear in these first few verses. Whose idea was it to go across the lake? It was Jesus. Mark is, is making it clear. He, he could have said, they happened to be crossing the lake. He could have said, while they were crossing the lake. No, but he pauses enough to say, and he said to them, let us go across. Crossing the lake was Jesus' idea. He is intentionally leading them. So here's my question. Why would Jesus lead them across the lake if a storm was coming? And here's the answer. Because a storm was coming. Jesus knew 100%. He knew that he was leading them into a storm. But as we continue our story, friends, you're going to realize that Jesus often does this. Because storms are ripe with revelation. You see, the storms are scary, but... God reveals things to us in the storm about ourselves. You see, when you're in a storm, God has a way. Things that previously lay hidden beneath the surface of our hearts, he reveals those inner motivations. He reveals our thoughts. He reveals the expectations that we have on God. It's ripe with revelation. But he doesn't just reveal things to us about ourselves. He, re he reveals things to us about him, his nature. His identity. We see a side of God that is only possible to see when we're in a storm. And so storms bring insight. Storms bring revelation. And so sometimes Jesus will intentionally lead us there. And so let's see what happens in this storm. It says, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So they're in the boat. They're going across the lake. And friends, things go south. Mark says they found themselves in the middle of a great windstorm. Not just like a little nonchalant windstorm. Not just a little great windstorm. They're no longer in control of their ship. They are at the whim and the mercy of the wind and the waves. I'm not a professional fisherman, okay, so I can't pretend to be one. But I think I know enough to know that if the water is in the boat, <laughs> instead of outside of the boat, that no good. As my two-year-old would say, uh-oh, that not good. 
That's not good, right? And so they're there. Water is filling up the boat. They are going to sink. Friends, I moved here 20 months ago, just about, right, uh, from the Pacific Northwest, and it's been one of the, the greatest joys I've had, as many of you have invited me and my family onto the boat, right? Welcome to the shore. Let's get on the boat, right? And you're whipping us around, and we're doing that. We're crabbing, and we're doing the thing. And I'll tell you what, man, I like the boat. But if you want some pure comedy, if you want to be entertained, take me out on the boat in the middle of a storm. It's not going to happen, right? Like, I can hardly read a book while driving in a car. I just can't imagine being out on the Chesapeake as thunder and lightning are crashing. I can't imagine being out there on the water. But you know what I can imagine? I can imagine me, knees shaking in the boat, while these professional watermen are laughing at me. Right? Can you picture that? Like, <laughs> this rookie, come on, it's just a storm. Storms are my thing. And so I imagine these professional boatmen, they're not even phased because this is an area of strength. This is what they do. But here's what I noticed. This storm is so scary that even professional watermen, that even those who make their living out on the boat, even those who fish to feed their family, it is so big, it is so scary that they were terrified. Even the pros were terrified. They know storms. Guys, like this is their thing. And yet they were so out of their depth. They were so in over their heads that the only conclusion they have is, we are perishing. Yeah, this is the end. We're going to die. I mean, we're going to drown out here at sea. Friends, you may not be a waterman this morning. You may not be a professional boatsman but you know what it's like when you find yourself in a situation that is equally unpredictable and uncontrollable. Storms are scary, aren't they? We experience storms in our life that are related to health, to pregnancy, to the economy, to marriage, storms in the housing markets, accidents, injuries, right? We know what it's like to be in a storm, and it's scary. But then there are storms in an area of life that you normally are able to navigate. You know what I'm talking about? Like there, there are storms and then there are storms that come into an area of life that is usually a strength for you. It's usually an area that you have under your control. And so you begin to realize that not even your greatest strength, not even your expertise matters in this situation. And those storms are particularly unsettling. Storms that you go, man, I normally have it, and I don't got it. And so instead of feeling cool, calm, and collected, you think, we're perishing. I'm going to drown. This is it. Have you ever been there? You think of the person for whom health and fitness is their thing, and then they get a diagnosis that they can't control. You think of the person who is known for navigating work with ease, and yet he feels out of his depth as things spiral out of control. Think of the person who is always so wise with their money, and they're frugal, and they're so attentive, and yet they're watching helplessly as inflation skyrockets and the stock market crashes. Maybe you're here, and you've always been so attentive with your family. You're always so intentional and attentive, and you're caring for your family. But this last episode has you reeling because you realize this is out of my control, and I can't do anything about it. Those storms are unsettling. 
So this is where the disciples are today, right in the middle of a storm. And where's Jesus? Where's the one who led them into this storm? Where's the one that they're thinking, hey, if it wasn't for this guy, we wouldn't even be in this mess in the first place. Where is Jesus? Where is their teacher? He's asleep on the cushion. Jesus thought this would be a great morning to sleep in. Now, if you see a dude chilling and sleeping all calm like a baby in the middle of this storm, don't you wonder, what does he know that I don't know? You know what I'm saying? Like, what, like, what is he having right now? And, th- and this is the beautiful thing. They're about to know what he knows. He's about to reveal it to them. But first, we see that they interpret his silence. They interpret his calm. They interpret his inaction as a lack of care. And so they say to him, do you not care that we are perishing? Why are you indifferent to our suffering? Why don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you see what's happening to us? Don't you see what I'm going through? I thought you cared. And you can hear their pain. You can hear the hurt. You can hear the disappointment that is coming in this accusation. I thought you cared, God. Don't you care? That's real, isn't it? No religious masks here. They're not quoting the cliches. They're not saying all the Sunday school answers that they memorized as children. This is raw. This is real. This is transparency here. Their unfiltered thoughts of their heart are being revealed and poured out to Jesus. Why don't you care about me? I told you, storms are ripe with revelation. And here the storm has just revealed their inner thoughts. They would have never said this on the shore, right? They would have never said this when they were safe and secure on the beach, but it was in there. And yet out here in the middle of the storm, the Lord has unearthed it, and he's exposed it. Could this be why Jesus brought them out here in the first place? Could it be that Jesus has a way of getting into our hearts, that he has a way of bringing our hidden expectations into the light? He often does this in the storm. And so even as they are hurling their accusations at him, even as they're blaming him and accusing him, I imagine Jesus saying, now we're getting somewhere. He's not offended by their questions. He already knew the questions that were in your heart. He already knew the objections that you had inside your soul. He already knew it. He wanted you to know it. And so perhaps he's provoked it for that very reason. This past week, my wife and I, we, uh, we put on National Geographic with our kids. It's like on Disney Plus, and so we saw it, and we started watching these, these archaeologists unearth treasures in Pompeii from the volcano, you know? And my kids, they were all about it for like three seconds, and then Micah goes, this commercial's lasting forever, you know? I'm like, kid, you're learning. Come on, this is beautiful, right? And I was all in it, and I made them watch it for another, you know, two hours, no big deal. And what I realized is, like a master archaeologist who is unearthing what long lay hidden beneath the surface, Jesus has come, and he digs into our hearts, and he unearths the things that long lay hidden beneath the surface of our hearts. 
And in the storm, friends, he extracts our hidden thoughts. He reveals our expectations. He provokes those accusations that need to be dealt with so that we can follow him more deeply. And so we hear these questions, right? And we go, man, have they regressed? Have these disciples gone backwards? Because remember a couple of weeks ago, they were sitting at Jesus' feet, and they were hungry for knowledge, and they were asking questions, and they've learned. And now... They're accusing Jesus. Have they gone backwards? As crazy as it sounds, no. No, I believe Jesus has them right where he wants them. They're actually further along. Just like when an excavator has broken ground on soil. It looks messier, right? It looks like it's worse off. It looks like we've gone backwards. But friends, that is the site of progress. And so don't mind the disciples, don't mind the transparency, don't mind these accusations that they're hurling at Jesus. This is progress. Jesus has them exactly where he wants them. Because friends, in the storm, Jesus reveals what's in our hearts. Have you ever been in a storm like the disciples, and and you're there in the middle of the wind and the waves, and you say something like, well, this isn't fair. I do so much for God. Why is this happening? He has just revealed moralism and entitlement that is in your heart. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a storm and you point to that person? You go, what about her? I'm so much better than her and I don't deserve this and how come she has this? And in the storm, he has just revealed self-righteousness. Have you ever found yourself saying in the storm, well, if he loved me, this wouldn't happen. And maybe you don't say that out loud, or maybe you do. But we think it in our hearts, and in the storm, he reveals that we have doubts about God's love and trustworthiness. We doubt God's wisdom when we say, man, there could have been so much of a better way. Just like the guys on the boat, we say, doesn't God care? I wouldn't even be here if I didn't follow him into this mess. Doesn't he see me? Doesn't he care? See what's in our hearts? Have you ever been in a storm, and you said this, well, if he was good... And we question his goodness. We question his power when we throw our hands up and go, well, he probably can't even do anything about this anyway. Friends, have you ever been in a storm and you've even thought in your heart, and maybe it's come out of your mouth, well, if he was real, why would this be happening? And we see the archaeologist of our soul even unearthing, we doubt his existence. You see, friends, in the storm, God reveals our misconceptions. He unearths our faulty understanding. He exposes our underdeveloped views from God. And as it comes out, don't be alarmed. He has you right where he wants you. We ask our questions and we express our pain and we, and we wonder, man, are people going to think I'm crazy and I should be better than this and I've been in the church for so long and I can't even believe I'm asking these questions and I'm embarrassed to ask them. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I have you exactly where I want you. Now we're getting somewhere. He doesn't rebuke the disciples. He doesn't wake up and go, how dare you question my goodness? How dare you question whether or not I care for you? He doesn't do that. God can handle your questions, friends. He already knows what's in your heart. He wants you to know what's in your heart. So he doesn't rebuke the disciples. Do you know what he does rebuke? Let's see. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, 
peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He doesn't rebuke the disciples. He rebukes the wind. He speaks to the water. How many of you have had a conversation with the wind lately? Right? Like, yes, my husband doesn't listen to me. No, I don't mean that, all right? How many of you guys have been in dialogue with the wind lately? How many of you guys get out there on your boat and you're just like pulling off your best Moana, just having a conversation with the water, right? Jesus is out here and he speaks to the elements. He, he literally addresses his voice to the water. He goes, peace, be still. Just like you would hush your baby. Shh. <laughs> Just like you would tell your dog to sit. Sit. You're like, does he really hush his baby like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am a brutal husher in my house, you know? Just like you would hush a child, just like you would command a dog, Jesus, the man in the boat, gives a direct command to the storm, and it obeys him. It doesn't say, and there was a reprieve in the storm. There was a, there was a little lull in the, in the sea. There was a little break in the clouds. No, the only word that we can use to describe the intense level of calm is the same word we used to describe the intense level of the storm. There was a great calm. He brings great calm to great storms. To these fishermen, there is nothing scarier. There is nothing more powerful than the elements no one can control the sea. A fisherman knows that. Nothing outranks Mother Nature. A fisherman knows that. But Jesus has just shown up and he's shown them otherwise. And he gives them a glimpse of the cosmic org chart. And high above the storms, higher than the, than the wind, much higher than the waves, stands the one who is in the boat. Stands the one who outranks and commands the oceans. Because he's the one who created them with a word. You guys know the Jesus Storybook Bible? Anybody have the Jesus Storybook Bible with your children? Yeah, I love this story. And there's a page where it gets to this story, and this is what it says. The wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that made them in the very beginning. I told you, friends, the storm is ripe with revelation. And here Jesus is revealing to the disciples. He's revealing to all of you in this room who are asking the question, who is Jesus? That he is not only the one who commands the storms, he's the one who created the earth because the man in the boat is God in the flesh. The man in the boat is God in the flesh. Friends, the storm is scary. The storms are scary. He doesn't diminish them. He simply outranks them. The one in the boat with them, who didn't just send them into the storm, but who actually got into the boat and accompanied them into the storm, that man in the boat, he is infinitely greater than the storm. And he wants the disciples to know this. And so after speaking to the wind, after, after hushing 
the waves, he now turns to his disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Do you remember a few weeks ago how Jesus, he was kind of toying with the disciples. He's like, what? You don't understand my cryptic illustrations? Wait a minute, you mean to tell me you don't perfectly understand my parables? Hmm, I guess I'll explain it to you then. He's not condescending. He's not angry and impatient like a playful rabbi, like a winsome teacher with that smile and smirk dancing at the edge of his lips. He's like, come on. Oh, oh, what, were you afraid of that? Do you still not understand that I can command the wind and the waves? No! Of course they were afraid. No, they didn't know that he could hush the seas. But that's the point. Now they do. He has brought them to the cusp of revelation. He has brought them to the brink of a monumental lesson that will change their lives. He has brought them to the edge, and now he is revealing to them that the man in the boat is God in the flesh. Jesus has brought them to the place, friends, to the same place that he's brought many of you. They're asking the right questions. Who then is this? They sense that they're in the presence of something supernatural. They're like, I just thought that was my homie. And now he just spoke to the seas and they listened to him. And they have a great fear, it says, right? All throughout the Bible, when people come in contact with God and his glory, they go, uh, and they tremble a little bit, as they should. So they're trembling in the boat and they're like, uh, I don't think this is just a man. I thought he was just a teacher. I thought I was just doing an internship for my religious studies program. Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. And Jesus, with a smile on his face, has just made it super clear. He could have just told them, but he wanted to show them that the man in the boat is God in the flesh. And when you fully understand who I am, when you fully understand and comprehend who is in the boat with you, you will not be scared of even the most unsettling storm because your Savior is greater than the storms. Who is Jesus? Maybe you're here this morning and you're asking that question for the first time. Right? And you're like, I'm new to this whole thing, I'm just exploring, and I really want to know who is Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're asking that question afresh for the first time in a long time because the latest storm that you're in has caused you to question it. Who do you believe the man in the boat is, friends? How do you explain the identity of the one who demands obedience from the wind and the waters? There's only one answer to the question, guys. And it's very clear today. The man in the boat is God in the flesh. It's not that the storms aren't scary. It's not that the storms aren't real. It's not that that is an appropriate response. It's just that he is better than. He is greater than the storms. The man in the boat is greater than the storms out around you at sea. The man in the boat is God in the flesh. So here's how I want to end. I want to, I want to give you a little brain teaser here. I want you to think about something. I want you to read this, and then I want you to ponder this question. What was God doing in the boat? Think about it. What was the God of heaven doing on a boat in the middle of a storm on earth? Isn't that bizarre? 
Think, we worship a God. He's the God. He's the creator of the universe. Where's God? He's in the middle of a storm on a boat with a bunch of dudes and ladies that are following him. What? That's bizarre, guys. You have to understand how bizarre that is. And I want you to lean into that. I want you to understand that because that right there is the key. That right there is Mark showing us what God is like. He is not a God who is far away. He is not a God who is aloof to our situation. He is a sympathetic God. And not only does he see what you're going through, not only does he care what you're going through, he's the kind of God who gets into the boat with you. He's a God who willingly enters into the storm of life with us by putting on flesh. And he came and subjected himself to the same storms and the same pains and the same fallenness that you and I experience on planet Earth. You see, humanity is facing a much bigger storm than they faced on the sea that day. Humanity is facing a much bigger storm than the scariest situation that you found yourself in in the past decade. You see, friends, we got a problem. Let's be real. Humanity has a problem. There is a greater danger to us than many of us even realize. And our problem is called sin. See, all of us are in the same boat. All of us have this this tendency to ignore God's ways. All of us have this this bent, right, where we see how God designed us to live, but we reject it, and we want to live our way. And we want to be our own gods, and we choose selfishness over serving others. We choose pride and arrogance, and we worship at the idols of achievement and pleasure over God's ways. We are on a a crash course with the justice of God. And it's not looking pretty until God acted. And just like he did on that day, he has come near to us and he got in the boat with us. Before he got in a boat, he got in a manger. And he came to earth in flesh and he willingly subjected himself to our experience. And he did this because he came on a rescue mission. He did this to save us because the one who rebuked the wind and the waves would eventually go on to rebuke sin and death. And he looks at death in the eyes and he says, shh. And he looks at the sin that enslaves us and keeps us captive and he says, be still. And he pays the debt that we owe so that way death is no longer our master. Sin is no longer our enslaver. And so that all who come to him would be saved. They said, do you not care that we are perishing? The irony of that statement, they're asking the one who is only in the boat with them because he so cared and he so loved the world that he came so that none may perish. Friends, whatever you're going through, whatever pain you may be experiencing, whatever storm you are in right now, whatever may cause you in your heart to question, does he care? Does he love me? Does he see me? Friends, know that he cares and he loves you so much that he got in the boat with you. And so come to him. Worship him. Turn to him with your life. Trust him. You need the man in the boat. Because the man in the boat is God in the flesh. The man in the boat is God in the flesh. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for showing us what you were like. Lord, how else would we know? How would we know what you're like? How would we know what to expect of you if you didn't first reveal yourself to us? And so thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for revealing yourself, and thank you for the picture of goodness that we see when we look at you. Lord, we know what you're like this morning because we see it in the face of Jesus. You moved near us in compassion. You didn't give up on us when we were stuck in our sin and addictions. You've come to us, Lord, to rescue us. And you've shown us that you're greater than the storms. You're greater than the sin that threatens to destroy us. And so would you save us? Lord, would you save us? Just like you saved them in the boat that day, would you save us from the sin that seeks to devour us? Save us from our crash course, that the collision with the justice of God at the end of time. Save us and shield us, Lord. And so we love you. We thank you that you have done this in your grace and mercy and kindness. Lord, I pray for those here who are even asking, who is Jesus? If they're asking that question for the first time, would you give them faith? Would you give them eyes to see? Open up the eyes of their hearts so that they can see that the man in the boat is nothing less than the beautiful God in the flesh. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Let's thank the Lord for his word. We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.